are continuing in our series called Expectations, and we're talking about how they're created, how they're navigated, or uh, how they're avoided altogether. Uh, sometimes it's best to just avoid expectations and to be present. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Last week, what we talked about was this man of God who saw God do incredible things in his life. He actually called down fire from heaven, okay? So um, you can listen to it last week, but basically there were these pagan prophets, and then there was Elijah, the prophet of God. And he had the pagan prophets put a, a, a sacrifice on and pray to Baal and to Asherah, and they never showed up because they're false gods. And then he prayed to God, basically like a sentence and a half, and fire came down and gobbled up everything. He also prayed, there was a, a drought, and he prayed for rain, and then rain came. He also laid on top of a dead dude, okay, kind of creepy, and uh, prayed that he would be risen from the dead, and it actually happened. He also took a little jar of oil and a little bit of bread, and he prayed over it and blessed it, and it just kept making bread over and over and over and over again. The guy had seen God do incredible things. And then there was one unmet expectation, and it shattered his faith in God. And so uh, we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to be talking about what we do when we have expectations for others, okay? Uh, next week, we'll be talking about when we have expectations for ourselves, and the week after that, we'll be talking about when we have expectations for God that maybe aren't met. But just a little bit of review. Uh, my professor in seminary, uh, Pastoral counseling says all expectations are bad. That's what she says. And um, what she talks about is it is better, rather than to show up at a situation with expectations, you show up being present. You show up as yourself. You show up um, with curiosity of what's about to unfold, rather than imagining what's going to unfold and then navigating to get to that destination. You show up with curiosity. You show up being present. Present. You show up with yourself. In other words, your baggage, your history, all those things, and then you experience the situation as it unfolds. That's what she says. Alcoholics Anonymous says, Expectations are premeditated resentments. In other words, I expect you to perform in a certain way. You do not perform in a certain way, and so I resent the way you did not perform. Or, as we've seen in politics, I expect you to act exactly a certain way. You, you uh, perform that exact certain way, and I resent you for that. We'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. In our staff meeting a few years ago, we came up with this, expectations diminish gratitude. In other words, if I expect you to do the dishes or I expect you to take out the trash or I'm a boss and I expect you to do your job, uh, when you do it, I'm not grateful because I expected that you'd do it. Expectations oftentimes diminish gratitude. And then a wise old sage uh, that came up with this brilliant thing uh, bitterness grows in a garden of expectations. Bitterness grows in a garden of expectations. I actually came up with that myself. I'm still proud of it. And uh, if you find it on Google, um, report it because someone stole it from me. All right. Bitterness grows in a garden of e expectations. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at uh, two sections of Scripture. 
One where some expectations weren't met. Uh, another where some expectations may have been met. And how Jesus approaches both of them. And then we're going to finally very briefly look at the example that Jesus gives us on how we deal with others as it re, uh, relates to expectations. So the first uh, section of scripture we're going to look at is in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And um, basically what's been happening is uh, in Luke chapter 10, Luke has already kind of, um, uh, Jesus has already preached on what he's about to talk to this uh, woman of God about. He, he did that in chapter 6, which we're going to look at right after this. We're going to stay in Luke this whole morning. Um, and so we're, Jesus is on his way. He's, he's preaching the gospel. So I want you to understand this, that everywhere Jesus went, that's where the good news went. That's where the gospel went. All his preaching, his teaching, how he dealt with people, the compassion he felt over the crowds, the healing he brought, feeding the 5,000, calming the storm, casting out demons, all those things is the gospel. It's the good news. It's the kingdom of God. And everywhere Jesus goes, that's what he brings. And so when we see Jesus end up at a place, whether it's with the Pharisees or it's with, at somebody's house or someplace else, he is the embodiment of the gospel of the good news. And so here's where we find Jesus. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, we'll stop, stop here real quick. Uh, this was Bethany. Um, Luke doesn't tell us it's Bethany because that doesn't have anything to do with the story for, as far as Luke is concerned. But in John, he tells us it's in Bethany. And so this is where they are. Now, I want you to see something really Really quick, because this is going to be one of our first lessons on expectations. Martha opened her home to him. Martha was not asked to open her home. Martha did not ask a bunch of people around her. This is Martha's decision. Martha has an idea. When Jesus comes, I'm going to open my home to him. Now, one of the things I've found out in my own life, maybe you found it yourself, is that you will make decisions... With the expectation that those around you will perform in order to have a positive result of your decision. I'll give you an example. It's not a true example, but it's an example. It's the only one I could think of. Let's say after the service today, I was going to watch Tom Brady play uh, Aaron Rodgers. I don't even like football. It's a violent sport. I'm not even interested in it. But let's just say that I do. Right? And so I go and I, I invite two buddies. I say, hey, why don't you come over and watch the game? We'll be socially distanced. We'll wear gas masks and all this kind of stuff. And so we do. And I'm all excited because Lisa's going to clean the house and she's going to make a chili with those little tiny hot dogs in them. And she's going to have those in the crock pot. And then she's going to make a Caesar salad and she's going to have uh, some other hors d'oeuvres. And so I'm super excited. I open my home to them. It's my decision. Very excited. So I come over. They come over. We turn it on. I've been recording. I would have been recording it. And um, they show up. And I'm like, honey, where's the, where, where's the chili with the little hot dogs? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I've opened our home to them. Like my ex For this to work, for this to be a success, number one, the bucks need to win. Number two, there needs to be food there. 
Because that was my expectation. And you didn't know it, but I invited you into this situation, and now you need to perform. And she says, I was going to wear a book, uh, read a book, and just be in my pajamas all day. Right? Now, that would never happen, because I would never do something so selfish. But, but you see what's happening? Now, we do this all the time, where we have an idea in our mind of what we're going to do, and, and we've already created what everyone around us is going to do. You might do this if you plan a vacation for your family. Tuesday's going to be game night. Wednesday, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do there. And people get there to the vacation, and they're all on their mobile devices. And you're, you're frustrated. Because you had an expectation of what it was going to be like. And that's disappointing. I get it. And so this is what happens. She creates this event. She's got some ideas. Again, I may be reading too much into the scripture. I realize that. But she could have had a meal already thought of. She could have said, okay, Mary's going to do set the table. Mary's going to do the dusting. I'll do the vacuuming. Of course, they didn't have vacuum then, but... Who cares? And so you, they go through all these different things. She has this idea in her mind. And she also has an idea, this is very important, about how Jesus is going to perform. Jesus is going to show up. He's going to sit at the table. He's going to say, this tastes fantastic. Did you put paprika in this? It's fantastic. All the disciples are going to be happy. Everyone's going to eat. They're going to say, can we have seconds? And then they're all going to take naps or do whatever. Mary has this all set out. How those around them are going to perform. More importantly, how Jesus is going to perform. You're smart enough to already realize you got two of the main points there. Very often, our expectations are not just how others are going to perform, but how Jesus is going to perform as well, which we'll talk about in week four. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So already Jesus shows up, sits down, and starts what? Bringing the gospel. Because remember, everywhere Jesus goes, the gospel goes. So he's teaching, he's talking to them about the kingdom, he's talking to them about the good news, he's talking to them about how to live. He might even be talking about breaking down the sermon that he was preaching in chapter 6, we don't know, but he's, he's talking right now. I don't know if that frustrates Mary, I don't know if Mary expected that, I don't know, but I do know one thing, Mary's not very happy. And it's not going the way Mary wanted. And the author here, Luke, begins to give us some hints of the breakdown of this occasion. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Because Martha, like you and I, often see things as an occasion rather than an opportunity. We see it as an event, like this event of, oh, this will be great, rather than an opportunity to hear from Jesus, to see how, how, how does Jesus interact with all these people? How does Jesus enter into the situation and how does he see everything? How, do, how does he see the situation? How does he see the people who are in attendance? Martha was distracted. She got so into the event so into what, how she had thought it out. Maybe, maybe she knew Jesus was coming for weeks. Maybe she just found out that morning. But she had enough time to go, oh, I know exactly how this is going to go down. 
And as human beings, it's one of the most dangerous places you can be in when you have an idea how something's going to go down and it depends on the performance of other people. They're going to let you down every time. Or they might not let you down at all. Mary, as we'll see, is frustrated with her sister. Maybe her sister acted exactly like Mary expected. Maybe when Mary decided to have Jesus over, in her mind, I don't know if you've ever done this, uh, Martha uh, decided, I wonder if she was saying, I'll bet Mary's not going to do anything. Mary never does anything. Every time I have an event, Mary's fluttering around, just being a socialite, laughing with everyone. She never helps me. Maybe Mary is meeting the exact expectation that Martha has for her. You ever have that happen? You have an event, and the uncle, the aunt, the son, the daughter, the friend starts exact, acting exactly like you expected. Those are bad expectations, too. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Ooh. <laughs> you ever done that with God? God, don't you care that I'm going through this? That my expectations aren't met? We go back to the statement we had last week that we have again this week. Do you want God to meet your expectations or do you want to meet God? And then she commands Jesus to do something. <laughs> Tell her to help me. Tell her to perform the way I want her to perform. Tell her to make, to do everything she can to make this event the event that I had preconceived it to be. Jesus, force the people around me to perform for me so my expectations are met. And then I'll be happy. Jesus answers, Martha, <laughs> Martha, he says it twice. Now, I don't know if the first Martha, I don't know, every time I use a word twice, the first one is just to kind of like get the attention and the second one is to frame exactly what I'm going to say. So if it's with my kids, I might say, name one of them, we won't pick on them, but Jesse. Jesse, okay? The first one gets the attention, the second one frames it. He says, number one, you're worried and upset about many things. Let me just tell you what I tell myself. If I'm distracted and I'm worried and I'm upset, I'm probably missing Jesus somewhere. If I'm distracted like Martha was, if I'm worried like Martha was, and I'm upset like Martha was, Jesus could be right here, and I'm not paying any attention to him. I'm missing the opportunity to sit at his feet, to say, why am I so distracted, Jesus? Why am I so worried? Why am I so upset? What, what are these expectations? God, I don't, Jesus, I don't want you to meet my expectations. I want to meet you. What is going on? inside of my heart. He says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. There's only one thing that's needed. 
And that's to experience Jesus in every event, in every occasion, in every expectation, in everything we plan. Jesus wasn't saying, don't plan. He wasn't saying, don't have people over. He wasn't saying, give up. If you can't have your expectations met, why try? He was just saying, in the course of life, in the course of you going through these things, there's only one thing that's important. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I don't know how Martha handled that. <laughs> I, to be honest, if Jesus said that to me, the first, I, the, my first reaction would be to be kind of, kind of ticked. Because <laughs> it's like, so she's not going to help then. That's what you're saying. That would be my, my human response. But Jesus talks to me like this all the time. And oftentimes I'll, I'll sit with it for a little bit and go, you know, you're, you're right. You're right. I created expectations for those around me that I have no business creating. I didn't verbalize any of them, and that's it. So you say, John, that is a great little story about Martha and Mary. And next time I have people over and I expect someone to do the dishes, I'll make sure I let that go. But you obviously haven't been around my life very much because those are hardly the expectations that I'm worried about. I'm worried about the expectation of having a job. I'm worried about the expectation of being treated fairly by those around me. I'm talking about expectations of my kids, like just having some level of gratitude for everything I've done for them. And I get that, and it gets bigger. And I, I intentionally wanted to start with a softball thing, because honestly, this is like every day we can apply this. But Jesus doesn't want us to start there. And in a country that's incredibly divided right now, and in a country where we're talking about very serious things, and in a country that is so incredibly polarized, I wanted to save the haymaker verse. A haymaker is basically just a punch that hits you right across the jaw. For now. Because this is what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But there are things as we move forward into the next chapter of our country, as we spend time on social media, as we spend time in our um, echo chambers and on our team and all these things, there's another level Jesus wants us to get to. And it's very difficult to do, especially in these times. He says this back in chapter 6, But to you who are listening... In other words, if you've been listening to all the things that I've been saying throughout this whole sermon during this time, and to you who are listening, I'm going to take it to the next level. I'm going to take it to a place that is very, very powerful that you're going to see at the end of what I have to say is incredible freedom for you as your expectations may be unmet or depending on which news source you read and which little side you're on, uh, your expectations are exactly met. Because you knew they'd act like that. You knew they'd do that. And they're meeting your expectations. And you get to sit back and go, see, I knew that would happen. That is not the place Jesus wants you to be. But to you who are listening, I say this. Ooh, boy, this is a tough one. Love your Enemies. Love your enemies. I should have just, as you can tell as I preach, I s separate verses the way I want to preach them. I should have separated this. It should have been just sitting there by itself. Love your enemies. 
Love your enemies. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. And you can say to me all day long, John, but you don't even know. Did you know that so-and-so? Fine. Matter of fact, make it worse. Pick your, the enemy you have and make him even worse. Because Jesus doesn't qualify this. He doesn't say, love your really, really, really bad enemies. He doesn't say, love your enemies, the ones that you disagree with. He says flat out, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. As we enter into a new season, I challenge you, church. I challenge you, Living Spring, to adopt this in what you read, what you post, how you act, how you interact, to see what does that look like as you move forward. It might mean you delete your Twitter account because all that is is a source of you not loving your enemies. You're not doing good to those who hate you. You're cursing those who curse you. And you're certainly not praying for those who mistreat you. It might have to do with taking a sabbatical off of social media. We're moving into Lent. And we're going to have a whole series, this Lenten season, moving up to Easter. Where I want you to reframe your own humanity. I want you to reframe how you live your life. How you spend your time. How you're informed. Because Jesus would have us do this. In these days leading up to breakthrough, leading up to Easter. And my prayer, and you can pray with me too, is that we're actually meeting for Easter. I, I don't know how the virus works and all that, but that's what I'm praying for. Whatever it looks like. Maybe it's 12 services of four people each. Taylor said he'd be happy to be here for four days. Uh, just playing guitar the whole time. I don't know. But this is real. Jesus actually said this. And their enemies, they were in an occupied country. This was no joke. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone posts a meme about your politician and it's really hurtful and it's snarky, don't let it get to you. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. In other words, if your economic situation isn't quite the way it was supposed to be or the way you thought out, that doesn't have anything to do with your faith. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, so they, they're not just asking, they're taking now. Do not demand it back. Then comes the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. One of the problems with the situation we're in politically and socially and all these things is that we are doing what has been done to us. We do it back. So they do this. They, we do that. We do that. They do, do this. And if you only understood what was done to me, you'd understand why I'm reading this, why I'm posting this, why I'm so upset. But if you're distracted and you're anxious... And you're troubled. Jesus isn't there. He's in the other room. If you're like Martha, who's just distracted, 
and troubled and anxious. You're not in the space Jesus would have you be in. Now, listen, I know the, I know the other side. They're horrible people. Trust me, I know them. The, the, the side you don't like, oh, terrible people. Jesus doesn't talk about qualifying anything. However they act, it's the way they're going to act. That's not your job. If you love those who love you, if you're in the same echo chamber as all the people and you all talk about the same things and you all come to the same conclusions, what good is that? Even sinners love those who love them. Everybody does that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Anyone can do that is what Jesus is saying. I'm calling you to something different. I'm calling you to when others meet your expectations because they act exactly like you knew they would act, you got to let it go. If you lend to those from whom is expected repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Now, you say, why in the world would I do that, John? This is like flat-out war. This is justice. This is right. What, you know, what they're doing is not right. What I'm doing is right. What I'm doing is justice. What they're doing is injustice. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I get that. I get that. And, 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 and to the extent that you're right. Keep fighting the good fight. But to the extent that you're anxious and troubled and distracted, you're missing something. And you're missing Jesus. And Jesus even says it right here in the midst of this difficult word. Don't expect anything back. Then your reward will be great. Do you know what your reward is? Your reward is the gospel. It's the good news. And wherever Jesus is, that's where the good news is. It's freedom. It's the kingdom. It's an ability to say, you know, although I have these enemies, and although I've lent to them, and although they've slapped me and taken the shirt off my back, for this I have Jesus. For this I have the kingdom of God manifested in my life. You will be children of the Most High. That's your identity. Not Democrat, not Republican, not the color of your skin, not your accent, not your country of origin. None of those. Not your gender. None of those things. You're a child of the Most High. When you enter a room, you enter as a child of the Most High. You don't enter as mom or dad or uncle or aunt or whatever the thing is. That, that's part of it boss or employee, though that's part of it. But your reward is that you're a child of the Most High because he, was, he is kind and, uh, to the ungrateful and wicked. And then as the worship team comes back up, he says these really, really annoying words. Just to be clear again, this is Jesus talking, okay? Be merciful. Be merciful. Be merciful. Well, how do I do that? How, how, how do I be merciful when these people are acting the fool and they're, they're saying these things that I know aren't true and they're doing this and they're causing a ruckus and all these kinds of stuff? How, like, what example do I have? Be merciful. Just 
as your heavenly Father, just as your Father is merciful. He gives us that example. Jesus gives another example that we don't have time to get into, but basically, right before he's about to die, he was handing himself over to injustice. He was handing himself over to um, uh, evil. He was handing himself over. And he's talking to the disciples, and, and it says that he knew all power and authority had been given to him, and that he was going back to heaven. Like, what a great thing. You know what he does? He takes off his outer robe, which is what identified him as a position of power, as a rabbi. He takes that off and he wraps a towel around his waist and he washes the disciples' feet that were going to scatter. They were going to meet his expectation. He told Peter, you're going to deny me three times, bro. That's just what's going to happen. He told them all, you're going to leave me. They all said, no, we're not going to leave you. But they met his expectation. And yet he washed their feet. We're going to end in uh, one more song. And uh, I, uh, I want us to think about this as we move forward. I, w- I want you to think about what, who, who is it that I need to love? Now, now maybe for you, maybe for you, you're, you're not involved in the, those. It's just maybe for you, it is the dishes. <laughs> it is, you know, People picking up after themselves, and those are your expectations. How are you going to meet Jesus in that? Have you verbalized those expectations? Or maybe for you, it's like, hey, we're, 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 we're stepping up to the Lenten season, and we're going to have a bunch of different, um, different things for you to do, a bunch of homework at different times that you could try. Times of silence and times of carving out time for God. and Maybe you want to give up something. For those 40 days once we start Ash Wednesday. And maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the news. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. Those are just some ideas. But during this time, as Taylor and the worship band lead us in this, and Maya maybe be leading, I don't know. But think about that. God, what, what makes me distracted? What makes me anxious? What makes me worried about so many things? And Lord, as I enter into this season that's coming up in the next few weeks, would you begin to talk to my heart about how I'd change those things? Amen. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing if you can. It's something we do here every week at Living Spring. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go without distraction, without worry, without fear, into those occasions that you're going to meet this week, with Jesus alongside you, in his peace and in his strength and in his joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.